I think a lot of times people overlook that too and and think, you know, data is just that, but the data is a representation of a human, uh, you know, and, and what those behaviors are. So, so yeah, that, that helps. I... Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. Uh, so, guys, we've got uh, a guest with us uh, today. We have uh, Nick Fitzgerald. So, Nick is a filmmaker based in Utah. His studio, Friendly Giant Films, is a production company that works with companies, individuals, and others to create feature films, commercials, and other visual media products. Um, Nick helps his clients use storytelling to build deeper connections with their audiences. Um, and you know, with that, you know, marketing through through film. So, Nick, uh, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's good to be here. Yep, it's and, going to be and, fun. And I'm today. and I'm excited because Nick and I have been um, engaging back and forth on Twitter for quite some time, and I think this is the first time we're in, engaging in conversation off of Twitter. So this is awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, How it's many times has that happened? How many times has what happened? That I mean, with the with, with the podcast. How many times has that opened? You know, has a Has lot that door been opened, right? I, I, I spend I spend a lot of time on Twitter. If you don't know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, so Nick, to get us started, um, why, why don't you give us a bit more details about your background and uh, how you got to where you are now? Yeah, for sure. So, um, I I started my you know entrepreneurial journey back in 2015. Uh, before then, I'd worked in all sorts of different jobs in corporate America, and I just didn't find a place where I fit in. I'd actually just been fired as a financial advisor uh, because I wasn't going to hit my sales numbers for that year. It was a big disaster with a failed partnership and all these things. And I finally just said, you know what, I'm going to going to follow my passion. I've been doing the quote unquote responsible thing for so long, you know, uh, by having a real job and this kind of stuff, but it never sat well with me. So I finally said, I'm just going to do what I want to do because I get fulfillment from it. I think I'm good at it. Other people say I'm good at it. So why not? Right. And uh, so that was in 2015. I started a career in uh, video production. I didn't even have a video camera of my own at the time. That's how passionate I was about pursuing my own dream that I was willing to do it without having all the equipment necessary. But, um, you know, I I've worked since I started that journey, I've worked in film, TV, commercials, and news. I've worked on 13 feature films. I've acted as a lead role in a feature film. I've worked on so many different uh, commercials and two television series and Oscar winners and Emmy winners. And I was a freelance photojournalist for the NBC affiliate here in Salt Lake City. And uh, just learning from master storytellers and getting really good at my craft. Um, but I just wasn't, I wasn't making enough money. You know, I have four kids. Um, been married for it'll be 18 years this this summer um, and just not making ends meet and I felt like a failure and I just had to 
take my skills and I just made that pivot and the adjustment to be able to use my skills and abilities to help other businesses make more money for themselves through marketing messages and branding and those kinds of things. And so um, that has been, you know, the roundabout short version of the bigger story of, of what kind of brought me here today. Now I work with companies all around the world on helping them create amazing stories that connect with their audience so that they build a relationship as opposed to just transactions in business. So they come back again and again, understand who you are, what you do, why you do what you do, those kinds of things. And then of course, the people want what you offer. That's how they found you in the first place. So it just makes the sales process uh, even better. So that's, that's what I uh, do now. You know, again, I've worked with lots of Hollywood stars and producers and directors and things like that through my film days. Now I just use those skills and the lessons that I learned from them to help businesses grow um, with putting those things to work intentionally in their business. So before we dive into some of those kind of story techniques, storytelling techniques and what uh, kind of led you to that, uh, kind of on a more timely basis, what, what are you seeing right now with with the COVID shutdown, the impact to businesses, um, downturn in the economy, the importance of, of using video and storytelling to connect with, with customers. Are you seeing a change in, in the market? I've definitely seen a change. You know, it's, it's harder. I haven't been going out and traveling for video production gigs and stuff lately because of travel restrictions and all those kinds of things. But the thing that I'm seeing um, with in, in the industry and everything is that people are dying for connection right now. You know, all of us are joining from our home offices or, you know, and we're connecting virtually. And a lot of us, I work from home uh, out of my office all the time anyway. So that's not different for me, but a lot of people are having big changes that way and not being able to even connect with extended family members and things like that. And so people are starving right now, what I'm seeing for connection and want to be able to, uh, reach out and have communication and interactions with people because that's been taken away from a lot of us in our day to day. And so what I'm seeing how businesses are using it is video is the greatest and the quickest way to be able to convey a message, but also to connect. Like uh, the four of us are sitting here on computers, but I can see all of you. We're looking at each other virtually, those kinds of things. You can hear the sound of my, the timbre of my voice and, and expressions and all those kinds of things. So using stories one is it's humanity that's what you know whether we were gathering in caves millions of years ago telling stories around campfires or scratching the pictures out on the walls or gathering virtually like we are now today in zoom meetings and virtual conferencing and and those kinds of things um humanity is what by storytelling is what binds humanity together and i'm seeing more and more people longing for a connection and with businesses specifically, to be able to utilize the free tools that you have. You have an iPhone or you have a computer or you know, have a laptop with a, a camera built into it. You have tools and resources at your fingertips right now to be able to be that connection, to be the one that's facilitating conversation or things like that with your client base or your audience or who you're trying to market to. And while some people might not be in a financial spot to be able to take action right immediately, they're going to remember those interactions and that you were a facilitator of connection because they saw your face, they heard your voice, they heard your message, they heard what you had to offer. And they're going to, as you're intentional with it, but also uh, consistent with it, it's going to continue to resonate with them and they'll come back 
uh, and keep following along with you and eventually partner when the time is right. Um, but that's what I'm seeing right now is that there's just a really sincere longing for connection and businesses have a great opportunity to be genuine in that message um, and putting things out there to serve people, not just looking to always make a sale. Yes, we're in business to make money. There, anyone who says otherwise is lying to themselves or to you. But um, when we are serving and giving value in all the ways that we possibly can, but they can see us while we're doing it, there's a lot of power to that. Yeah, That's for sure. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested in, and in, in maybe we can dig a bit more into how you're specifically helping companies, but um, I, I'm assuming part of it is, is actual production um, of, of videos. Um, how is that changing now with, with lockdowns and limited travel? Are you doing more strategy or are you finding creative ways to still continue to help shoot video content? What does it look like today? Right now, today, it's it's more strategic where I might will align and come up with the vision and the, the goals and things like that for the message we want to put out. And then, you know, giving, giving tips or giving a prescription, so to speak, of how to shoot that. Um, and then I have them send footage to me and my team and we edit and put the things together. Right. Got so it. there's, there's a lot of, it's more of a strategic play on identifying the messages that are going to connect with people right now, especially. Um, but then if they're wanting to have something that's, more produced as opposed to just a, like a Facebook live or, or something like that, then we would go into like, I'd say, okay, here, here's the story. I need you to get this type of shot, these types of things with their phones or if they have a camera themselves um, and then send them in and we get them edited and put together. That's, that's how the video production side of things is going. But I've had a lot more um, strategy discussions and uh, I just finished a training yesterday that was a nine part training that went through like my storytelling framework to help people start to really think about their messages because even businesses, I find a lot of people fall into one or two categories where it's like, I'm not really interesting. My business is kind of boring. Are people going to care? Like I don't have a story to tell. Um, or they've had a lot of experience and, and they just don't know where, where to begin or what to keep private versus share publicly and, and that kind of stuff. And so um, I've been helping people like understand you know, the stories that they have that are pertinent to their business, being intentional in their messaging. And then that helps them identify the stories that they can share, whether that's again, through a Facebook live or a podcast or a snap uh, or a TikTok, even something super small or um, into a more highly produced, you know, story that has editing and music and other things involved in it as well. Yeah. And, and by the way, I think everybody has a, a very interesting story to tell. Uh, and I think it's important for businesses to, to realize that. And I like the word you use. We use it a lot as well. I think you said being intentional in, in how they craft that story and tell that story. I think it's now more, more important than ever. As a, as a quick aside, I, I've always had this um, dream to produce a podcast series where I drove around to small towns in Utah and just found some random stranger and put a, a recorder down on the table and said, just talk because I, you know, I think we've, we've kind of got burned out with the overproduced reality television that that's fake. And we're finding that people's true stories and, and, you know, what, what they're about is very refreshing that the authenticity is something we've been missing um, so much. And I think it's true of businesses as well, that, you know, you might be a dentist office or you might be, you know, you, you have a, a production company with a warehouse and that's it. And it may seem boring, but 
I guarantee you there's a story there that people will find fascinating. Absolutely. And that's that's the thing. Whenever I sit down with somebody, especially people that don't think that they have a story or they're not interesting, is when you just sit down and have a conversation, you know, I'm a really good listener, so I can I, I can understand and pick up on things to be able to ask better or deeper questions and we go farther into it. But it's it's one of those things that like once they Everyone who has a business, especially, there is a story behind why you started. Uh, even if you're, even if it's a boring production company with a warehouse, and that's what you do, there's a reason why you got out of whatever job or career path you were in before, or why you decided to go down that path. And there's a power behind the people that you employ and why they chose to work with you, and uh, all these different types of angles that a lot of people. They love to see the human side. I know like the, I can't remember what network airs it, but it was like the undercover boss type of show where, you know, a multimillionaire or a billionaire goes in disguise and gets to know his employees and sees how his company's working at a different level than he's used to. People love that kind of stuff because they get to really see the human side of how business works. And, you know, every single one of us who own a business or is building a business or wherever you're at in that journey, like, there's a passion and a drive that you have to serve and help people. You've come up with solutions to problems and you're now offering it to the world to be able to help them improve their lives. When you approach and tell your story and talk about your business in that way, as opposed to like, we're going to get into data and, and those kinds of things, they, they aren't at odds, but like, instead of just saying, telling facts and figures and numbers, those are going to help some people make a decision. But when they see, the underlying passion and the reason why you're really doing it and why you're trying to get your solutions and help people out in their lives, like that really resonates with people. And so that's, that's what I see a lot of businesses. There's, there's been a shift and people are making that more of a pri more of a priority, but there's a lot of people are still stumbling along trying to figure out how to do that or even to get the courage to, to dare to put something out there and be vulnerable, so to speak, you know, uh, with their messaging. Yeah, for sure. So, so kind of going down that, that line, I'd love to to hear your, your background on what led to the naming and branding of friendly giant. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I'm six, nine, so I'm literally a giant. I played, I played uh, high school, college, six, semi pro like six, six feet, nine, yep. inches. <laughs> yeah, six feet, nine inches. <laughs> so on this, on this webcam, it looks like you know, you're just close to the camera. You're actually just on your knees and you're yeah, I'm sitting on the floor. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So, you know, I, I played uh, collegiate and competitive basketball um, when I was younger. And so I've always been tall. Like when I was in sixth grade, I was six feet tall. My freshman year of high school, I was six, five, you know, so I always stood out and was head and shoulders above everyone. But when I started working in film, um, I worked a lot. Uh, in the grip and electric departments, which is all the lighting and, and, and things like that. And there was one movie in particular where I was the best boy electric. And uh, the director of photography was a guy from Australia. He's actually um, the Lethal Weapon series that was on Fox. He was the director of photography for that series. And um, every time he was a tall guy, he was about 6'3 or so. But uh, every time he saw me, I was like, man, I love having the giant on set to, to be able to do stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm a nice guy, you know. And so um, he started calling me. My He's like, where's my friendly giant at when he needed something? And so it just kind of stuck in every set that I went on after that. Because in Utah, it's a small knit uh, or tight knit 
film community. So you work with a lot of similar people on different shows and shoots and stuff. And so when I'd show up on set, people were like, oh, the friendly giant's here, right? And so <laughs> it just kind of became my nickname on set. But then when I, you know, decided with my own business to like, you know, form the LLC and, and do all that stuff. I'm like, what am I going to name this? And that was just what stuck. And so I, I kind of threw a little test out to, you know, on social media to get some feedback and it just, everyone loved it. So I, that's what I went with. That is awesome. And, and can we just take a moment and recognize that, that uh, film has way cooler job titles than corporate America? Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> they're, they're storytellers. They're not afraid. They're creative people. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. yeah, it's like, I'm the best boy electric. That mean, it just means I'm, I am I oversee all the guys who plug in the lights, basically. You know? <laughs> but it sounds so it much sounds awesome. Yeah. I'm the best boy at overseeing people plugging in stuff. Yeah. You know, it's pretty funny. <laughs> That's funny. All right, you Brian, I'm going to let you. That, yeah, you yeah. said something, though, that I think, you know, you, you alluded to, oh, we'll get into data and kind of storytelling and, you know, it's different than the other. But one of one of the facets of, you know, the, the framework that I presented and kind of talked through to the Adobe Summit um, attendees was really actually humanizing the data. Because yeah. oftentimes when you, you get analytical people or, um, you know, non-creative people, they do just think that data speaks to everybody the same way. And so one of the key tenants that I, I brought up was, you know, actually build a persona and name them in however you present that data. And, you know, if you're if you're looking at a segment of group of, of mobile users, you know, say Molly, the mobile app user or whatever it might be, you know, using a little alliteration even in the English uh, language there will also help personalize it and humanize it. So I'm curious how you how you see that or or how does that apply with what you're doing and and you know, in crafting that story, creating a persona that's relatable and not just having it be a story, quote unquote. Right. Well, and that's that's the the powerful side, like, you know, humanizing everything. Like when I worked in news, they always wanted to find something sensational and to really drum up the emotion to be able to draw the people in and, and things like that from the beginning. But when it comes to like what I see with with using data and things that seem impersonal or, you know, that data is not a person, um, but it's still a character in in the story that you tell. Uh, and it's still influential on the decisions that people make and how people run their business or make adjustments and all that kind of stuff. And just like you said, um, when we name it, uh, whatever it is, like my framework is, is similar where I, I always the first step is always like beginning with the end in mind, having an intention. What do we want? Yeah. What, what do we want the audience to feel, think, and do as a result of this story? When you're presenting data, that is obviously you're wanting to help help people think and analyze things. Make, what, take what are you trying to convince them of? Right. With right. the with the end in mind, as you said. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and when you can like I always do my order is feel, think, and do. So I try to get the emotions going first um, because even when people who are analytical or data driven in their, their decision-making, they are that way because of emotional responses that they've had throughout their life that have given them the, that uh, outlook. And so when you can uh, connect emotions to those other things, I think it's, it's huge. Like giving it a name, you know, I talk about introducing the conflict, like what is this like in the, in the angle with data, 
like what is what are the issues and the problems that we're studying that this data addresses right yeah so identifying that and introducing it early because again like with with conflict you know you guys can see by my background there's some star wars stuff in the background there's a lot more that you can't see but like uh Star Wars is an example of like they introduce the conflict immediately. It's a period of civil war that's in the first line of the title crawl in the movie. And then we the the conflict just gets more complex as the story goes. But when we can you know introduce that but then introduce all the key characters, who is this data or who is this conflict um affecting? You know, there's the main character which might be the business that you're running these these numbers for. You know, they're the hero of the story, so to speak, the Luke Skywalker character that you have all the supporting characters, you know, that and as you name them and address them and give them a purpose and intent and uh, background, those kinds of things. It just helps the audience really like connect to where you're trying to lead them to go. It gives them buy in. It gives them a reason to care about the numbers. Like I, when I was a financial advisor, you know, it's funny to have been a financial advisor, but like, I am not a numbers guy. Like that's not what drives me. I'm all about creating relationships and the emotions and things like that. So when, when an underwriter would come in with all of his charts and things like that, and he was just going into the techno babble, like I would just switch off a lot. But when we started talking about the practical applications and how it actually affected our clients or the people that we worked with, and um, the economy and all, all those other factors, it made it a lot more interesting for me to be able to use that information to be able to present it in a way that showed it as a solution to to my clients and, and things like that. And I see that with businesses as well. Like so many lead with just the numbers or somebody, some people dance around the facts and figures and like try to avoid them at all costs. But because, you know, as a creative I know I drive some, uh, you know, technical, logical thinkers crazy with the way that I do things. And it goes the, the same way there, but they don't have to be at odds with each other. Like as we marry them together by introducing that conflict, what is the problem that this solves or is addressing? And then we lead the people on that journey by introducing the characters, naming an enemy. Who is the bad guy? What is the big problem that is uh, being uh represented in in this data or in this story um and then how it just becomes the data shows you where things are going to go if things don't change this terrible thing could happen right it's so um as you raise the stakes throughout the the story with the data and 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 everything like that that's how that's how i see intertwining story with it is that it becomes more than just a spreadsheet or more than just uh, you know a, a couple of results from a few months or a year's worth of analysis or however deep they want to go. Um, it shows them in real world scenarios, how it affects people's lives. And that's ultimately, you know, what can be the most powerful in making the right decisions um, because we want to serve and help people, you know, as opposed to just always being about the bottom line. Um, it helps us be able to craft things uh, in a way that, that we can truly serve, but also make money or approve things, our retention rates or churn and all those kinds of things that, that we go through in business. So that's, that's just a little bit of how I see, you know, how the data should be a character and relatable and become humanized to, to the companies and to the people that are making the decisions based on it, because ultimately it, it affects more than just the numbers in 
the spreadsheets. It's human people, human lives on the back end that are truly affected by it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of times people overlook that too. And, and think, you know, data is just that, but the data is a representation of a human, exactly. uh, you know, and, and what those behaviors are. So, so yeah, that, that helps. I, I'm curious where you've found, you know, it more difficult to pull stories out of versus you know, like, like what personalities or, or uh, personality types are more difficult to get stories from versus, you know, easy to get from. And, and then, you know, maybe we can think about how that applies to analytics or data or, or not. Yeah. You know, maybe, you know, that's just something that's curious to me. Like, yeah, I guess in my mind, like you've got like an accountant that would be really difficult to get a story out of versus a hairdresser. And she's going to tell you like every other story and all of her client stories. But at the same time, like there's probably that really talkative accountant too. Um, right. that exists out there. So what, you know, are stereotypes pretty, pretty rigid there and, and accurate or not? Um, I've, I've seen, like you said, there are anomalies uh, and stuff like that, but typically introverted type of people are going to be, it's going to be more work to be able to get them comfortable to open up. You know, I, when I was working as a photojournalist, like I was, I was rarely going out with a reporter. So I was having to do interviews and all these kinds of things as well as shoot the stories and edit them and get them back to the station and do live shots and everything else. But there's being able to have a big camera and go to a complete stranger and ask them what happened and have them not. I don't know if you, you guys have all seen the movie Talladega Nights, the legend of Ricky Bobby, when he's like, I'm not quite sure what to do with my hands. And he's just super awkward. Um, <laughs> uh, to be able to, Jesus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In order to get somebody comfortable in, in that setting with a complete stranger asking them all sorts of different questions about what's going on, um, it's, it's, uh, it's challenging. But one thing that I've learned is when, when I work with one of those personality types, like you said, like accountants, I've, most of the clients that I work with that want to tell brand stories are people who are like coaches and have an e-com store, have products to sell yeah. um, or, or service to provide. Um, very rarely, you know, when I've done corporate shoots, they don't pull in the CFO typically for me to do an interview <laughs> with and stuff because they just, they just aren't, you know, <laughs> equipped or don't know how to handle um, certain things in order to, you know, come across right. as a, a person uh, you know on camera and stuff with without me able being able to have a lot of time um to work with them but the way that i've been able to find with any personality type with any background um and with complete strangers is just having a conversation everyone likes to talk about themselves they do um and everyone looks for an opportunity to be able to talk about themselves to people if you go to networking events you know, uh, everyone has an opportunity to do that. Social media is all about talking about what's going on in our lives, all these things. And even introverts share and post things on occasion. Uh, you know, if they're really quiet, they still do it. And that's all giving insight into their lives. So when, when I'm able to and facilitate a way that's conversational so that you and I are just talking back and forth about X, Y, and Z. And yes, I know what information I'm trying to get. So I know what types of questions are the ways to steer the conversation. But there's so many times when I've sat across from somebody completely new 
And, you know, by the end of the conversation, 20 or 30 minutes into the conversation, they have one of those like, how did I've, I haven't shared that experience with like hardly anybody. Um, And they just find that they open up because rapport gets built, you know, just when you with, with storytelling, you know, if you're dating um, or if you've gone through that process, you know, that the way that you determine if you want to further a relationship or take it to the next step is all based on the stories that we tell. And we're telling our passions and our interests and our, our shared experiences that we have together. And then we decide if we're done or we go to the next step. And that's what I see with business, especially with data, when you can can uh, pair those together where you know, you're, you're having a conversation about what is, what you want to have, what your dreams and what your hopes are. This is the reality of the situation. How do we get to that point? You know, if I want to, like my wife and I, when we were dating, if I wanted to get engaged to her, challenges rise up and there's things that I have to do in order to get that outcome or in order for everything to work out smoothly so that everyone's, you know, happy about it. And that's where, um, it's it's and my wife is a total introvert that way so it's like learning to get extrapolate information from somebody who's closed off is a challenge right but um when you can find any way to make it more of a conversation as instead of a presentation or an interrogation um that is when the gold really starts to come out and you understand the other side of the conversation much deeper you you build trust because you share, you know, some of your shared experience that maybe supports or reinforces what they just shared. And that builds that trust for them to answer the next question that you have because they understand that you're actually listening to them and, and wanting to understand where they're at. And so, um, when, but we, yeah, when it comes to, when it comes to talking and getting information or having engaging people on camera, there are definite types that are a lot easier to work with. And um, especially with business, when you're being intentional, there are definitely people that they leave out of that, of those conversations as well, because it could just be, uh, you know, crickets or very awkward. Yeah. So I want to ask a question about, about some of those business interactions, because one of the things that we're seeing right now, and, and one of the things that we're talking with with companies about is the importance again i'm going to bring up the the term authentic or being you know having authenticity in your message where so many companies are being forced to digital only in order to interact with with their customers that ability to connect with them on a human level i i feel is more important than ever and as we go and we talk with these companies i'll i'll often be um They'll often be returned back to me. Well, we have, yeah, we, we, we put a video on our, on our homepage where our CEO is connecting with our customers. I'm like, I just wait the video that's up there now. Cause I just watched that. And it looks like it ran through like 20 layers of lawyers before you put it up there. So, you know, and, and one of the things that I've seen from you is you, in, in addition to a storyteller, um, I get the sense that you're also a teacher. Um, and, and I'm wondering how much of what you're doing is helping educate maybe businesses and people that are reluctant to take down that, that kind of shield and be a little bit more um, vulnerable or open. Yeah. Well, and you're totally right. I've, I've had a couple of shoots where, you know, we had to sign all sorts of legal stuff beforehand, uh, you know, because of the level of security, like with the type of company that we were working with and things like that. But 
it's it's amazing to for me to see the power between like or the power and difference between you know a typical corporate style video where it's like these are our core values and we're here to help like there's a funny video that i saw just a little bit ago in the midst of all this covid stuff that um kind of poked fun at all these commercials of all these major companies, how they're basically saying the exact same thing. You know, they talk about over a hundred years. Yeah. The exact same firm probably did all this, all these stories. Right. Um, And while, while they're playing into the emotions of the moment, when the COVID stuff goes over, you know, those messages, they lose their power uh, afterwards. It's not, something that lasts or has longevity to it, hopefully, right? <laughs> but, you know, um, as as we build those messages to be more personal and vulnerable and things like that, like like you said, I the, the vulnerability for me isn't in necessarily sharing, you know, a personal, almost maybe tragic or sad type of experience. Vulnerability for me, especially in entrepreneurship, is crafting a message intentionally, putting it out there, and then you have no control over what the audience does with it, whether they fall in love with it, whether they like it, they share it, they subscribe, they buy, or if they hate it, or they roast you in the comments or things like that. Um, but the thing that I have found is like the stuff, the stuffy corporate type of stuff that's out there. Um, every company has very similar core values and it's all been done, you know, in order to make people build some or feel like they can trust them in the long run is is the long thing. But you have to add in two other elements to that. There's before trust, people need to know you and they need to be able to like you. And then uh, that builds the trust. And when you just come in with, you know, the, 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 the values or, or the corporate uh, silly stuff. Like I love the movie office space. I have a red stapler, you know, and on my shelf behind me um, and all that kind of stuff. And, there's that ban- there's a scene where they're having this meeting with all the employees and there's a banner that says is this good for the company you know behind it and stuff and those kinds of things are decided in a boardroom by people who make a lot of money who are disconnected from the people that are on in the trenches or that are on the end lines of receiving the service um, and they think that it's great and nobody has the courage to say that this is a bad idea. They're afraid of it a little bit. Right. And so it's just, uh, one of those things when you build it, wanting to tell a story to connect with people, um, to help them understand why you started this business in the first place. Was it the result of, you know, uh, a change in jobs or being fired or laid off or an economic downturn or, what, what were the things that inspired you to even get started and create a business in the first place? But what were the new challenges as you as you started on that path? What are the things that you learned? When you share those kinds of things, it's so much more powerful to the people that, that see it because, you know, they're going to see you as a person instead of a suit, you know, or, or just an, an entity. There's reasons why brands like Apple, like, you know, everyone... Most everyone has an iPhone. Um, A lot of people have it. And even though a new one is released every year and the one in our pockets works just fine, people will stand in line and pay over $1,000 for the new one because they have that connection to the brand. And it's because of the stories that they told. And Steve Jobs did an amazing job at becoming relatable and sharing the vision and the passion that he had for, for the things that he was working on. 
And that sucked in and brought in a lot of people and made them loyal, even when they make mistakes. You know, uh, people are willing to be more forgiving when they have that know and like factor um, that built the trust in the first place. And like, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I I was just going to say like, I was going to say like, you know, guys like Tony Robbins, you know, whether you buy into the mumbo jumbo or not, he's a multi-billionaire. But still, he tells story after story after story of things that he did happened to him when he was young, people that he served and worked on. And, you know, he could he has these events all around the world and he could just say, hey, I'm Tony Robbins. I'm coming to your town. Tickets are a thousand bucks or whatever it is. And I'll see you on these dates. And people will go and buy it because he has that notoriety. He has that presence. But he gets millions of people every year to go and buy those tickets and those tickets aren't cheap. They're pretty expensive, depending on what you do. And they absolutely love it because he tells stories and he builds a relationship with them. If if Tony Robbins sent you a, a random text saying, hey, I'm going to have a barbecue. Would you want to come? Pretty much anybody who got that invitation would drop everything and do anything they could to go to that because they feel like they have a relationship with him, that they know him on a personal level. You know, if the CEO of McDonald's did, I I would because I'm an entrepreneur and I would love the opportunity to just go and do it. But a lot of people would be like, oh, why do I want to go and do that? Right. So it's when when you share your your failures and your struggles, as well as the victories and the ways, the solutions that you've come up with like that, again, is the, the hero's two journeys. It's like principles of storytelling through Hollywood and everything you know, Luke Skywalker, he becomes a lovable character to us because we saw that he was just a simple farm boy, that he had his family uh, taken from him and they were murdered. And he went on this journey and he lost his mentor and all these things that happened in the course of just one movie of, of like A New Hope, for example. Like now we're totally want him to win and we're invested in his success because we've seen the struggle that he's gone through. And as we model that with our business, that is where the power really comes to be able to build relationships with our clients as opposed to just transactions that we're having to churn and burn and keep filling up the pipeline. We still need to be continually doing that and marketing ourselves. But when we have people that are staying and coming back and buying the next thing that we sell or, you know, bringing their friends and family along, um, that is the stories and being human showing that side of it is what brings the power and makes that work. Yeah. So the more you talk, the more questions I have, and I'm going to forget them. So I got it down a note to try to remember one, and I'm going to try to combine two into a two-part question here. So you mentioned Apple and Steve Jobs. Um, So a two-part question is um, how important is it from a personal connection? So was it the fact that it was Steve Jobs did a great job of connecting as a person to a person? We felt like we knew him. Um, versus are, are, can brands do that as a nameless, faceless brand? And so that's the first question. And the second question is, um, what brands motivate you or do you look to, do you, that you think are doing uh, a phenomenal job in, in telling their story or connecting on a more humanistic level? Awesome. Those are awesome questions. So first with the Apple thing, um, I, I think it's a bit of both like where we, Steve Jobs gave the keynote speeches. We saw his excitement and, you know, those were very rehearsed and done intentionally and stuff as well. But what Steve Jobs did an amazing job of with just the iPhone release, for example, was he painted the picture of what life was currently like versus what could be. 
you know, and that was, and then he introduced the iPhone. Um, and, you know, he talks about like, imagine having a thousand songs in your pocket, you know, uh, he talked about the parody of what it was like at the time where we, you know, I'm a child of the eighties. So, uh, I remember in my teens and through my mid twenties, when I had like that binder that was like six inches thick with like 5 million CDs in it. And if you left it in your car in the summertime, you, you destroyed your whole music library, you know, all those kinds of things. Well, so that was like a, that was a token. That was a, that was a sign of how cultured you were. Exactly. How thick your binder was and how filled <laughs> it was. Precisely. You're, you know, so he talked about being able to carry your entire music library in your pocket. Right. And so <clears throat> what he did was he built that pressure. And as the, as the delivery uh, of the message, you know, the messenger, we build that relationship with him because he's the one that's giving us this new information. And but then also the product gave us results. The iPhone was a technological wonder at the time. It did it it did a lot of things that would have been successful all on its own. Just been like, you know, if, if Steve Jobs would have come out and said, hey, uh, we got this new thing. We're calling it the iPhone and uh, you can put a bunch of songs on it and you can obviously use it as a phone. You, you can surf the, the Internet and get your recipes at the grocery store instead of having to make a list before you go home and oh there's a camera on it and there's a ability to be able to video talk with with people and send messages with photos immediately and it's it's just really cool like it was an amazing product but because he talked about the solutions that it brought and how it advanced and made people's lives easier it had huge power so like nameless or faceless brands with their products, that's that's the face, that's the the character that they can put out if they don't have, you know, that uh, attractive character type of person in the company to be that spokesperson. They can use those products as that character to be able to, you know, again show what life is like right now, currently without that product or without your services, and then paint the picture of what life can be like with your help or with that product. And that is what gets people like super excited about it. Um, we, you know, people make decisions based on, you know, moving away from pain or towards pleasure. Like right now in the COVID-19 stuff, people are wanting to get away from pain. They're looking for ways to, to ease their stresses and to make themselves feel better. So you have to craft your message in order to intentionally bring them to that result when things are great people are wanting to get more and so that you you make those tweaks but your your products and your services depending on what type of business you're running they can become that character and they should be uh one of the characters but if you have somebody whether it's you as the ceo or you have somebody that's kind of that figurehead that likes to be the dancing monkey up on stage that has all the fun in front of the crowds um, you know, you having somebody like that to deliver that message, it just gives another connection point to your business. They have the connection to the product, but now they have a figurehead or somebody that they can relate with, relate to that makes them excited. And so, you know, that's what I saw Steve Jobs do like brilliantly through all of the different types of launches that they went through, but especially the iPhone was just, it's the reason that it became an, an, an instant global phenomenon and cultural thing was because of the way that he presented it to the world um, when it would have been groundbreaking in just a normal press release to the world. Um, it became a phenomenon immediately. But um, uh, your second question, brands that I see and companies that I see uh, doing this well, um, that kind of inspire me. 
I've always looked up to Nike, um, you know, the, the whole, even remembering back to the old Spike Lee, Michael Jordan, you know, it's got to be the shoes uh, commercials that they used to do. Um, they just have always had a way, even, even with the controversy and stuff that they had with Colin Kaepernick, like that was intentional. And what that, what happened, what I was inspired by and loved about those campaigns was that it increased buy-in and the people who loved Nike, like they were committed even more and it repelled the people that they didn't want to work with, or, you know, it, it drew a line in the sand and forced the audience to make a decision. And when you can do that with your messaging, you repel the people that you don't want to work with. Um, but then you attract more people that you do and the people who are already in are going to be even more connected and more committed to your cause or to your products and things like that. And that's what the brilliance that I saw in what was going on, whether, you know, I, I, I feel that all of those um, moments, especially with the Kaepernick stuff were done intentionally and with a purpose to be able to do some of those specific things. And then uh, society just ran with it and it, it, they benefited greatly from it. So that's one that I always have looked up to. Um, it's just a timeless brand. You see the swoop and everyone knows exactly what it is, wherever you are in the world um, and, and all those kinds of things. Uh, on another one that I, it's only been a couple of years since I've come across this company, but it's a company called ClickFunnels. Um, they, I actually know the owner of that company. Um, he and I went to elementary school, middle school, high school together, and we reconnected in 2017. <clears throat> but it's, it's a company that, it's a SaaS company. It's a, a website type of builder. So you can build a sales funnel for your business instead of just a, a typical website and stuff. But the messaging and the, the, the culture that they have created is way deeper than that. It is a community of people who want to serve and help people and um, want to use their business and their skills and their expertise to be able to help other people. And the, all of their messaging is about that kind of stuff. And oh, by the way, we have this tool to be able to help you get and sell your products, right? Um, it's, it's a, I see it as a master mastery of, having almost a boring type of product. Like there's Wix and there's Squarespace and all these different website builders and, and things like that that you can buy. But, um, and they're still like, you know, relatively unknown when it comes to SaaS and software and things like that. But um, their messaging, like their tribe, they have over a hundred thousand or so users of their, of their software, but like they have an annual event and 5,000 people pay a thousand bucks for a ticket to fly to a place and stay in a resort and, you know, have days, full days of um, speak, speakers and presentations and all these kinds of things. Um, and they do it because they've built a community. And when you can build a community among your followers and your client base, where not only do they get results with your product or what you sell, but they are around like-minded people and people that think like they do and have similar passions and drives and, and purposes, then it just becomes like a rabid fan base. Almost like he, Russell Brunson calls it a culture, you know, where you, you build up those things with, with your movement and people will buy in. You see it with MLMs and, and other things like that, where they have that culture that draws and attracts people. And whether you agree with the business model or the products or not, there are still people, millions of people that 
join those companies because there's something more that they're searching for. And um, that's that's the power that I see with like, even with like Nike and these big companies, Apple, is that they've built that culture, they've built that community. You know, that's why there's the Apple versus Android wars or like Coca-Cola versus Pepsi, you know, all these different things where people have to choose a side. And when they have a community of people like, okay, oh, you're a Coke guy, awesome. You know, that kind of thing. Or you you judge a restaurant based on what soda uh, types that is, are they Pepsi products or Coke products? And you're like, oh, I don't know if I wanna come back based on what it is, right? Like when when brands are able to do that, that's where the power in the, the millions turn to billions and uh, in, you know, six figures turn to seven and, and all those kinds of things. So those are two specific uh, companies that I, I see and that I, I look up to, but like, I look at like guys like Dean Graziosi and uh, Tony Robbins, who um, they're, they're billionaires and the way that they market and message there and put their stuff out there um, is all about, yes, they're making sales. They, they make sales pitches almost every day, you know, in their, in their messages, but people sign on the dotted line or get their credit card out because they have uh, been intentional with the messages that they put out to build those emotional connections and to show the results that you can actually get. And so that's, that's what I see from my perspective anyway. I, I love it. And you struck a nerve with me on one of the things you said, because um, there, there's something that's really frustrating to me that we have struggled with telling our brand story to the market in that. And I can't remember what the, the sentence you said, but it reminded me of something that one of our clients said to us. It's something about uh, it, it is amazing working with you because you've been able to show us a completely different way of not only working, but living. Uh, you guys just happen to be really good with data. And I'm like, that's it. Like, that's the line, right? Like, yeah. There's lots of people that do what we do, but there's something different that we see that we offer that isn't in any contract that we have, but it's this humanistic way of connecting with people to show them that there's a different way to work, a different way to live. And oh, by the way, while we're in there, we're going to help you with your data. And the, the term when you said cult, that hit me, I'm like, because it almost feels like a cult, right? Like yeah. we, that's just the excuse to get in there and really give them something else. So I, I yeah. wish we were better at, at telling that because if you see our our branding if you read about like that doesn't come across but once you engage with us it this light bulb clicks and they're like wait a minute this is something amazing i didn't even know i needed right well and that's the funny thing is like you know i when i when i have those moments with clients or even with people when we're talking they're like how did you how did you get me to tell that like there is power in the human element um of things even even with cold hard data or you know things like that like when you just like Birad was talking about when you can humanize it and give it a face and give it a name and those kinds of things but then when you're working with the client you know even even virtually um you know i i've i've known jason for a while and stuff and we've connected through lots of tweets and our shared fan fanboyness of real salt lake and all, all these different things but like when when you when you sit down across from a client and you're showing them the things like you cannot fake uh being genuine there's no way that you can uh fabricate that and when you try it blows up in your face <laughs> in a in a major way whether it's like you know 
whether you're making up stuff or you're forcing emotion or whatever it might be, it does not translate well. It doesn't pass the gut check or the heart check. Um, so, you know, in all things, however you can bring up that human element and whether you're having to do it virtually or through your branding and messaging and things like that. Um, and even if you're struggling with how to tell it yourself, if you have clients that you've got results for, for ask them uh, about it and use their own their own stories, um, you know, as testimonials and things like that to share your story while you still figure it out. Right. Um, and when you do that, it, it's not only do testimonials and things like that help with social proof. And yes, you can get results and, and those kinds of things, but different perspectives and people from different types of businesses and backgrounds and things like that, talking about how you help them um, tells your story in a powerful way, you know, that regardless of what you you're doing and as you're going to see common commonalities in their testimonies on the things that stood out to them about you. And like you said, like, it's a new way of living uh, as well as the, the data just helps uh, you figure out how to totally step into it, you know, and you, you see those things and you're like, okay, now, now we know the direction that we can go. Let's intentionally craft something that encapsulates just that. That's our begin with the end in mind. We want them to feel, think, and do this. Um, as a result, we want them to understand who we really are or whatever those kinds of things are. And when you look at your stories and your experiences and what you're putting out there from that lens, like it's, it's just so powerful not only for you as a business owner, but for the people that see it. Like I have my friendly giant films video that's on my website and, and things like that. And it, I, it's been almost three years since I released it and put it out there. But every day, almost every day, I get messages from people I didn't even know existed who watched that video. or like, I got goosebumps or I teared up during that. And it was, it was amazing. And it's less than three minutes long. I share a story about going to the movies with my grandma when I was a kid talk about my experience as a filmmaker and then an invitation to, you know, work with me on crafting an amazing story for your own business. Right. But when I, sh by sharing it that way, like I have complete strangers who I didn't know existed, come up and sit, tell me that they had an emotional response to a video that I crafted three years ago. That's been out there for a while. Um, that is when you know that you've, you've found something that will work and gives longevity, whether it's in a recession or depression or when things are booming and growing and accelerating. When you have a message that can stand through all of that, that is good for your business and it's good for the people that you serve because you have longevity that builds up that trust factor as well. And so it's uh, it's cool that you have had those experiences and had that feedback from clients too, because that helps you communicate it to the team reinforces your passion and the drive and why you're really doing the things that you're doing. And then you serve at a higher level and continue that as you go forward. So that's, that's cool that you've been able to get that kind of, uh, you know, response and stuff too. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, one, one last thing I wanted to make sure we, we touched on, you mentioned the importance of sharing the, the bad and the good. Um, and it's, it's something that I've seen as, as well. And unfortunately, I think a lot of us are brainwashed into thinking that we have to put out this Instagram image of everything being crafted and, and perfect. Um, and that's why I think so many things feel like they've been run through levels and levels of lawyers is because we have to spin even bad things to be good. Uh, how, how 
to dive into that a little deeper, how important is that um, to share the the bad with the good to building that human connection? Because none of us are perfect. We all have, you know, fear from time to time. We all have a lot of self-doubt from time to time. Um, How powerful is it to share that, to be able to make a connection with people from a, a humanistic perspective? It is, it is imperative. It's, it's the key to be able to have that humanistic, uh, perspective and connection because you think of any any great movie any movie that you absolutely love and the characters that you love and things like that they went through conflict we witnessed it we watched them struggle through things right so whether it's a a movie or a news story or something that you see uh in social media that goes viral like there's a human element to that and there's the human will wants to succeed you know whether you're an entrepreneur or not people want to have the best that they can in their life. There's, there aren't people who are contented typically with uh, having a ter- having these things terrible in their life. Like I talk about my business and how I grew it. Like I started in 2015, uh, but I was struggling to find clients and it was, it was rough going for a little bit. And then I started, I started freelancing with the news just so I could make ends meet because I have four kids at the time. Uh, that wasn't my intention. I didn't want to become a news guy, you know, those kinds of things. And when I started learning in that process, I was doing everything all by myself. Uh, All the shooting, all the interviews, the lighting, the sound, the editing, everything that went into those stories. And it got me thinking about what would it be like to specialize just in one area of production? And that's what got me working on film sets. And, And then that progressed into all sorts of different things. But like, what got me to pull out and get out of the film world is I was working, film is grueling work. You're working 12, 14, 16 hour days. Um, and you're making on a good set in Utah for the positions that I was in. Um, I was making like 300, maybe $400 a day, which on paper, if you do that over a year, that's not terrible to some people, but the time value of money was, it was, I was just, it was so frustrating and I was tired and exhausted at the end of the week. And we were living in a family member's basement. We were renting a basement from uh, my sister-in-law. We had, we were all on top of each other. It was just super cramped. I was always tired. My kids wanted to play and we were on food stamps and Medicaid and all those things. And it was super frustrating. And then I got a letter from the state that we were being audited um, because they wanted to see if we had received too much assistance on the food stamp program and stuff. When the year before I made $25,000. And so as a family of six that made $25,000, we were being audited for getting too much help. And uh, the consequences to that could have possibly been jail time and, you know, all these different types of things and fines and, and everything. And I had been clawing and trying to pull myself out of this pit that we had fallen into um, by trying to build my business. And I was working my butt off and doing all these things, but it just wasn't working. I was feeling like a, a failure as a husband and as a father, as a provider and all the roles that I was in. And so I had to make a change. And that's when I made that shift to helping entrepreneurs and businesses with my skills to help them make more money. And then as a result, I started to, and we were able to, you know, cutting out a lot of the story, but, you know, to turn things around. Now, if you noticed, like through that story that I just shared, if I would have just said in 2015, I started a, I started a video production company and it was fun. And I picked up some jobs as a freelance photojournalist for NBC. And I got to go 
to interview all sorts of people in the community. And then I, I transitioned to working in film and I got to work with Hollywood stars and, and Oscar winners and all these amazing people. And it was super fun. And then I decided I wanted to use my skills to help entrepreneurs and businesses make more money. Uh, and, and my business grew and their businesses grew and all that stuff. That's going to connect and resonate with some people. But now knowing the backstory of some of those elements that led me from one step to the next within my career and my journey, now you understand me more. And you know that I'm not just some unicorn that is really good at video that worked in X, Y, and Z and now does this, right? So when we can, it's so imperative to be able to share the struggles and the conflict because there are people that you serve right now who might be in that exact same or a very similar situation. And when they can understand that you know and have that empathy and understand what they're feeling and what they're going through, then they're going to be more apt to open up to you and to be able to see you as that guide to help them through the challenge. You know, um, if Obi-Wan Kenobi was just some crazy wizard, uh, like, <laughs> you know, in, in Star Wars, so a crazy old guy, um, and that's all he was, there would be no reason for Luke to ever want to go hang out with him or do anything. But he learned about his background, that he fought in the Clone Wars, that he did all these different things and it gave him a human side that Luke could connect to. And obviously, you know, he uh, had more to give and to offer to Luke about his, his heritage and the force and all these other things, which is as businesses, you know, our new idea is the force to somebody. We are that Obi-Wan or that Yoda in their journey to help them overcome their challenges. Um, and so that's why sharing and making a focus on the human element of of the story and your your struggles you're not you're not going to share everything and all every failure and things like that but there are ones that will definitely um resonate and connect with people on a deep deep level and when you share them and aren't afraid of uh you know how it's going to be perceived you're being intentional again but you know when you put that out there um, it's so powerful and attracts the right kind of people that you can truly serve at the highest level, as opposed to like that one client who's going to nag you every 10 minutes and like kind of like they're paying you to tell you what to do versus paying you for your actual expertise and guidance. That's the difference um, can be a huge difference maker in the story that you tell is that that element. I, I love that. And I think that's the perfect way to wrap up our, our conversation. I And we can keep going and, and going. This has been super fun to talk with you. And I think you've shared some really, really valuable advice with our listeners. The last piece that I would add is if you're a business owner, if you're a business executive, you should go out to Friendly Giant Films right now. You have a, a business framework for telling stories, for telling the story. You can download for free. I downloaded it. Uh, even if you don't follow it to a T, I've I've found a lot of ideas I got out of it just reading through it. Um, so cool. now more than ever, it's important for us to be telling our story and connecting with our customers on a humanistic level. Uh, and and the framework you've put together really helps get you thinking about how to do that. So again, if you're in that position, I would highly recommend you you go out um, to to Nick's site download the framework and, and, and read it. I think you'll find some valuable stuff in there. So I appreciate you joining us. Well, thanks for having me. It's been awesome. Great discussion. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was phenomenal. So I really appreciate the time. Yeah. No worries, Jim. Appreciate you facilitating or uh, getting everybody together. It's awesome. Yep. Thanks Jason for the shout out and getting us all connected.
Yeah, no, this was awesome. I'm glad we could glad we could make it happen. So, and and very again, very timely topic that I think is important for yeah. for a lot of people to hear right now. So, I appreciate you being willing to spend some time with us. Yeah, anytime. It's cool. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.